Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast. My name is Brian Hansen. And I'm Brian Solomon. Thanks for tuning in today. It's our practice to think through three categories. We get three segments of just about every podcast that we tackle. And so our first uh, segment is uh, titled A View of the World. And then we go from there into your place in the world. And then finally, we wrap things up with what in the world. Uh, but Brian, take us into our first segment today. What are we talking about? Well, we get to talk about what is coming up, and if you've uh, only if you've been living in a cave, do you not know, Brian, <laughs> that uh, the elections are coming up on November the eighth? It's kind of a big deal. It kind of is a big deal, and right now, what we have going on everywhere is uh, uh, we have the debates that are taking place. We have new things that are coming up as far as the candidates. We have all kinds of stuff being splashed around about different candidates and and uh, trying to bring things out of the closet. A lot on, of mudslinging. Oh, a lot of mudslinging has taken place right now. And, you know, that's typical this time of year. You know, you try to get your traction and you try to hang on to whatever it is that you think that your opponent's weakness is yep. until the last week or two. And mm-hmm. now we see all kinds of stuff coming out, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, so the midterm elections, and uh, it's actually... It's uh, it's a big deal, and you know, I was thinking uh, as we were preparing for this, it's like every election that we have seen in the last I don't know eight, twelve years uh, election cycles. Uh, they all have said, this is the biggest election of our lifetime. This is the most consequential election. <laughs> our democracy hangs and, in the balance. And right? although I laugh, I'm like, it very well could be, you yeah. know, because, well, what, what's taking place now is, I mean, it used to be, do you agree with this? It, it's like we had right and left. We had conservative, we had liberal. But at the end of the day, it, we all wanted the same thing. It's just we saw different routes to get there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there seemed to be uh, a general love of country yeah. uh, shared by by both political uh, parties. Now that's kind of up for debate, yeah. and uh, uh, and then and then each uh, political perspective represents a camp or a clan that uh, or tribe that people kind of argue and retreat to, and they represent echo chambers, and so people love their their news media outlets that reflect that echo chamber and. And, uh, and then for Christians, holy cow, they bring those echo chambers to bear on Sunday morning and oh, man. Yeah. let the games begin. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And and then, you know, you have what, what we see happening in the country right now is we have people, even in Congress, that are not in love with our country. And, uh, and we see people uh, who really want to take away uh, capitalism, uh, who really are not just leaning towards, but pushing towards socialism mm-hmm. and doing it openly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, uh, presidential candidates uh, t- take that as a platform. Um, and then we probably have some who wouldn't be disappointed if communism were even in the conversation. I would agree with that assessment. Well, so here's what we have. We have this election, and uh, and so what we, what we have is we have the church, we have Christians saying, well, 
Um, number one, uh, is this even something that we should be praying about? Like, is this even in our realm? Shouldn't the church do the church thing and let the let the government do the government thing? And number one, you know, just, just totally back out of the picture. Yeah, we'll show up to vote, but, you know, should we really be concerned about it? You know, I mean, everything just kind of flows, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, if if we should be concerned about it, should it be a matter of prayer? Hmm. And and quite honestly, I've uh, I've talked to groups where they have said, how can I even pray for this political party? Right. You know, they're right. so frustrated. Yeah. Lord, rescue these fools. From themselves and us from them, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and so you know we we come we we come to this and yeah, um, th- this is something that we we certainly must take a good hard look at because so many people say, well, let the government do what the government thing does and let the church do what the church thing does, and never in the middle shall the two meet. Yeah. And, and so we quickly, we, we have a theology that we won't go deep into here, but if you go back to Acts chapter 9, where Saul is on the road to Damascus. Saul he of has, Tarsus. Absolutely. Yep. And he has this uh, encounter, this bright light encounter, who happens to be uh, part of the Godhead, the son, Jesus himself. And, um, and so Saul becomes blind. He's sent on to Damascus. We actually have the the address where he where he was. He was on State Street of all things. Or Straight Street. The road called Straight. Yes. Yeah. So uh and then Ananias uh who Jesus comes to and he's like, "Hey, I want you to go to this address. There's my servant there. His name is Saul and uh Ananias is like, "Uh d- yeah, no." <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, you you're familiar with the term terrorist? Uh <laughs> that was Saul and he says, "No, no. Uh Saul is going to be my witness to the Gentiles and to the kings." And then and, and to the children of Israel. And to the children yeah, of Israel. Jesus could have covered all of his bases if he would have just said Gentiles and Jews. That's everybody. But he gave a specificity that's right. And that he said to the kings, in other words, to the political leaders of the day. Yeah. Therefore, it w- just glossing over this, 14 of the 17 cities that Paul visited on all of his missionary journeys were political outposts of the Roman capital. That's right. And um, and so then we see Paul, you know, eventually he wants to make his way to Rome. He wants to get to Caesar, which he does. And uh, he ends up losing his life over it. But he, he also, though, in his uh, some of his letters specifically to Timothy in First Timothy, chapter two, mm-hmm. he tells Timothy uh, some something that's very important in in Second Timothy, chapter two and verses one and two. He says, pray for all. He says, first of all. And the interesting thing there, and we, and we tell all of our ministry leaders this, we build this into them, and as you know. But first of all, the word there is protos. It means not first in in like one, two, three, sequence, four. Not yeah, first in sequence. But first of importance. First of all, pray for all people, mm-hmm. but specifically for those who are in positions of high, yeah. uh, all, all, all leaders, kings and leaders, and all those who are in positions of high authority. Right. Well, that basically wipes out the whole idea of, well, I'm disgusted with the whole thing. I'm just not even going to pray for them. Or I'm all political. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus and I rise above politics. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm above all of that. And we are too. We should rise above. And there's this uh, permeating view of politics, this I'm taking this all political posture. 
And Christians, are, I think, could be better served by thinking of themselves and the worldview that we bring to bear as pre-political. Right. We, we have uh, at our disposal the truth of God that uh, is not silent on the affairs of men uh, in terms of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this broken world. So God is, has laid out for us how we're supposed to think in terms of taxes, politics, racism, capital punishment, marriage, gender, all of those things. God is not silent. So as we were talking earlier, you had, you had brought up um, the, the idea of, uh, I, I forget who it was. Was it Grudem? Wayne Grudem wrote a book called Politics According to the Bible. And I think this book was, uh, was published several years ago. But in the opening chapters of this book, he kind of does a rundown of five wrong views about Christians and government that many Christians hold. I think it'd be good just kind of do a quick rundown of those five. Let's go. And then that will lead us into our next yep. segment. But before we go to that next segment, five wrong views about Christians and government. Wayne Grudem, again, politics according to the Bible. The first wrong view that he talks about that many Christians hold is that government should compel religion. Not, not too many Christians hold to this view anymore, but this was a pretty prevalent view in the Middle Ages where there was, uh, there was no or very little distinction between the role of the state and the role of the church, and rather uh, the, the government should actually compel uh, how a person should believe in terms of their, uh, their worldview about God, Jesus, the Bible, so forth and so on. Of course, this really led to a lot of um, bloodshed as it related to Protestants and and uh, and Catholics in Europe. And uh, so, this whole idea of that government should compel religion, Jesus dispelled this. <clears throat> if you remember right, um, he, uh, he he. There was a scene in the Gospels where he said, "Hey, uh, somebody, bring me a coin." Mm. And he says, "Whose inscription is on this coin?" And the people that were there, they said, well, it's Caesar's. And he said, well, render under C- render to Caesar what is due to Caesar and render to God what is due to him. And Jesus really distinguished the realm of Caesar and the realm of God and that the two are separate in many ways. Yeah. Um, second wrong view. Oh, do you want well, to say something? Well, yeah. I was just going to say, if you really want a good view of that, just go kind of take a good look at England today. And uh, you mentioned, you uh, referenced the Middle Ages. Yeah, for sure. But it was like, okay, the state says this. And the church who was linked to the state said, yes, this. Mm -hmm. And it was like a double whammy, you know, as it was like, oh, punish me once, punish me twice. But to your point, yeah, take a good look at that. Uh, Wrong view number two is government should exclude religion. This is a champion big time today by some militant groups like the uh, Freedom From Religion groups, uh, various hardcore separation of church and state. And people ask us all the time, Brian, hey, what do you guys think about separation of church and state? And and our answer is typically... Absolutely. We totally agree with separation of church and state institutionally. That's the big word. But not influentially. That's right. And so uh, government should not exclude religion. And uh, one of the joys that we have is leading Bible studies for um, members, uh, legislative members at the State House in Ohio. Uh, but we also have a legislative aid and capital staff Bible study. And we talk about this all the time, that there's so many worldviews that come to bear. We call that a melting pot at the State House. Mm-hmm. Why should Christians check their worldview at the door? Everybody else gets to bring their worldview in. 
It's important for Christians to do as well. Uh, third wrong view is all government is evil and demonic. Um, this is a widely held view by many Mennonites and pacifists. Uh, they would point to that uh, scene in the Gospels where Jesus is being tempted for the 40 days in the wilderness and uh, Satan is trying to get him to sin. And he takes him to this high point and he says, Jesus, if you just bow your knee to me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. And so they'll look at that and they say, well, see, all of the kingdoms, they're actually under the authority of Satan. And so therefore, government, well, it's demonic. And we would say, number one, Satan is the father of lies. lies. Mm. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And so just because he said something in the Bible doesn't make it true. Mm -hmm. That's point number one. Point number two is in various other places in the New Testament, and we know that the Bible can't contradict itself, mm -hmm. in various other places, the Bible teaches that Christians are supposed to submit themselves to the governing authorities. Why in the world would God ask his children to submit themselves to a demonic institution? That makes zero sense. Well, and and to that point, anywhere in the in the Bible that God has given a truth, uh, Satan has taken that truth and made a, a, a deviation. And so, it, this would be one one instance where yes, government is set up for the betterment of man and the hindrance of sin. Right. <clears throat> and uh, and so uh, Satan working his work as he always does. You know, I, I, as you were talking, I was trying to think, is there a reference in the Bible where anything that, the, that Satan says is true? I, I can't honestly think can't of think one. of one. And so he's taken what God has given is government uh, to, uh, to, to prosper man. That which is created by God for man, yes. according to 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe. A absolutely. And he always finds a way to insert evil into it That's and right. to insert, insert that which is not good. Keep Qu going, buddy. Quickly, wrong view number four is do evangelism, not politics. Many Christians say, hey, look, can't we just love Jesus and tell people about Jesus? Well, sure. Absolutely we can. Um, but it's following Jesus isn't just following Jesus. It's standing on all that he's commanded. In Matthew chapter 28, he gives uh, his disciples their marching orders to go make disciples of Jesus baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And who did Jesus talk to when he was here? Who did he spend the most time with? I mean, he was talking to the Sadducees, to the Pharisees. He was talking to the sick. And, and people were like, why aren't, you, why aren't you just spending more time with your disciples? He's like, well, I didn't come to, 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 to spend time with those who are well. I came for the sick. And so to, to say, well, I'm not going to get messy in something that is messy, that's kind of burying your head in the sand a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah, and just when you think about the whole counsel of God, uh, Jesus wasn't necessarily silent on certain things. Right. He, he certainly didn't contradict the writings of Moses in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Rather, he fulfilled all of those things. Yeah. So the do evangelism, not politics, just doesn't fly. And then fifth wrong view is do politics, not evangelism. This is your social justice crowd. Uh, this is reflective of various forms of theological liberalism that wants to move away from the historic position of Christianity that says that the Bible is inspired. It's uh, we, we, we take a, a literal approach to understanding the Bible. Um, 
And so the problem of doing politics, not evangelism says, you know what, we're going to tackle all of the problems and, uh, social ills of our day. We're going to go after those things. We're not primarily going to think about evangelism. Well, that's to basically put the great commission, Matthew 28 up on the shelf to do good things, which may or may not be good, but your lead card then is with various social justice causes and it becomes your own pet project, it doesn't necessarily reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, you know, even evangelicals have been guilty of this uh, a little bit. You know, I, not to pick on him because I think he did a lot of good, but even Jerry Falwell kind of got wrapped up into yeah. this and the whole... Religious uh, right movement. Yeah, yep. and so where they were really going after politicians to just uh, get them to vote certain ways without really changing their hearts. And at the end of his life, uh, he came back and said he probably had a bad platform. Yeah, essentially he turned the... Evangelical church into a voting block, right? And uh, and the church then got all fired up over politics, and they weren't really fired up about making disciples. That's right. The that's church right. kind of moved away from its mission. Hey, that's our view of the world. Uh, let's go on into your place in the world. Well, if that's uh, if that's the view of the world, then our place in the world is okay. So let's take these facts that we've just laid out and that you've laid out very well. And so then, what's our response? We have to have a call to this, right? So, uh, how should Christians think rightly about this election? Well, you, you kind of t- took us down that rabbit hole earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, you were talking about uh, the, the First Timothy chapter two passage in that. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's telling the church, hey, uh, make it of first importance to pray for your elected leaders. Now, at the risk of sounding simplistic, Brian, and hopefully our our listeners aren't taking what we're about ready to say as a simplistic uh, distillation of this moment, but rather, hey, look, let's uh, let's let first things be first. And Christians ought to make it their first priority to pray for those who are elected and those who will be elected. And so uh, a couple of years ago, you and I had the privilege of hosting a capital prayer event on the steps of the Ohio state house. And then we, uh, at that, uh, event, we passed out a 40 day prayer guide. Yeah. And and that was, uh, just before the presidential election and it was leading up, you know, we were, everybody was in COVID and everybody was, you know, in their living rooms and we weren't allowed out when we really came up with this. Uh, but we did this leading up to the election. And at the end, we, we held a prayer event on the Capitol grounds of the Ohio state house. Um, you can find this guide that we use, uh, Remember, at the time, it was for 40 days leading up to the event. And so we have 40 different things that you can pray for. And you can find these uh, just on the notes of the uh, of the podcast here. But, um, uh, you know, pray, you know, what the, the, the question is, if I am to pray, what do I pray for? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, Lord, please deliver us from these fools who are serving <laughs> in government, right? We're, we're tempted to say that, and I think we missed the mark. And, uh, and, and to your point, just, just let me say here that 
there are some really good people, godly people who Amen. are serving, right? Amen. Yeah, there's some rascals. Uh, there's some people who are not, uh, not pro-God. We are not naming names. Not here naming to, names. Right, right. But when we pray, we have to keep in mind that there are godly people who are serving at the state That's house, right. and they covet our prayers. Amen. And we've had them tell us yes. that when they arrive, uh, they can feel a presence. They can feel a darkness. And, uh, That's right. And they're coming in to do real battle. That's right. And so as you have that in mind and as you go to prayer, don't just think that you're praying for the enemy. Uh, you're praying for good, godly people to do the right thing, have courage that they would that they wouldn't uh, uh, bow to the pressures Amen. of uh, the maybe it's money that's thrown at them. But just, you know, there are so many different things that even the leadership can do to to kind of get people to vote a certain way. Yeah, uh, you don't get you don't get to move up on uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you, you, like like you, the 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 leader of the house uh, might say, well, you can't be the leader of such and such a caucus unless you vote this way, right. or we'll demote you, or I'll put your office somewhere different. You know. Right. So there's all kinds of pressures that uh, that we don't typically think of that can be used. So let's pray for those people who are good, uh, godly people that they'll have that they'll have perseverance, that yep. they'll have wisdom, that they won't back down, and then and you know um, that that God would uh, that He would open their hearts to the truth that uh, there would be people like you and me and others who mm -hmm. are uh, discipling, bringing truth, uh, the foundation of truth to yep. all things, that they would be open to that and have have understanding that their spiritual eyes would be open. You like me, and I, I think like several of us, you know, have you ever have you ever been talking to to someone and maybe you've had opportunity to speak to them any number of times and you've said the same thing, the same thing. And then all of a sudden, one time they say, well, why didn't you say that before? <laughs> and and you're like, I it think happens I with did. my kids all the time. <laughs> like I'm saying something, saying something, and then their teacher says something, and they're like, Dad, my teacher just said this. I'm like, Girl, I've been telling you this for years. <laughs> what in the world, right? But but for whatever reason, it seems like there's that moment in time that the Holy Spirit just opens their understanding. Yeah. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes to all truth yeah. and see it and understand it and accept it Amen. and apply it. Hey, let's time out real fast right. and insert, I think, a biblical principle. Let's do it. Christians everywhere should view their politics through the lens of the Bible. They should not view the Bible through the lens of their politics. Well said. So that's a principle, and I think that carries over into how we approach prayer for this midterm election. We should approach prayer through that same thing. So we should pray not through the lens of our political ideology. We should pray through the lens of the Bible. This 40-day prayer guide that we're making available to all of our listeners in the um, um, studio notes, uh, you can just kind of go down the link and you can click on that there. There are 40 things. Now, we have laid it out as a 40-day prayer guide, but really it's 40 things that right. Christians can be praying uh, for elected officials. And uh, I tell you what, let's just do this, Brian. Uh, pull out two uh, at random, highlight those two. I'll pull out two, and, uh, and then we'll move on to our next segment. Yeah, so pray for a mind of discernment for our political leaders, mm. particularly 
those who name Christ a savior. Yeah. Such a big deal. And uh, uh, the second one would be that I probably would pull out would be pray for our elected officials that they would have a sense of God's will mm-hmm. and a desire to do it. Yeah. 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 Here's two. Um, we ought to pray uh, for boldness for Christians who are serving at the state house, not only as members, but as capital staff, legislative aides, clerk's office, uh, sergeant at arms, whatever. Uh, pray that that they would be bold for Christ in in their service. Uh, there, Ephesians six uh, verses eighteen and nineteen, and Acts four twenty nine kind of shed some light on that. And then, secondly, um, I think it's important that uh, that followers of Jesus pray that that God would would supply public servants with all that they need for life and godliness. Yeah. We know that that comes by way of God's word, and so that God would would put either people like us or others in the life of those who are serving in government. Uh, to sharpen them to live live for the Lord and just insert God's word in their life. So there's four things yeah. that our listeners can be praying for. So if you like that, uh, go to our go to the, the the site and take a look at those and um, uh, make it a matter of prayer. That's right. That's okay. Right. Hey, we're gonna move on to our last segment. Here we go. Are you ready? What in the world? Literally, what in the world? Brian, we've been all over the place here this last month or so. Uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we were in Panama City, Panama together. Uh, our ministry, Capital Ministries, had a ministry leader training for all of Latin America. Yeah. We did incorporate a couple of North American guys in yeah. there, a guy from Oklahoma and then north of our border in Winnipeg, Canada. But we had a number of Latin American nations present. You want to talk about that training conference? Well, I just thought it was so good. You know, we were kind of fish out of water and that uh, it, it was basically Spanish speaking and uh, yay Spanish speakers, That's but right. I'm not one of them. <laughs> uh, once once I get up past uh, uno, dos, tres, I'm kind of lost. Hey, this you know? reminds me of a joke. Uh, what, what do you call somebody who speaks three languages? Don't know. Trilingual. What do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Um, Bilingual. Bilingual. What do you call someone who speaks one language? American. An American. Yeah. <laughs> that was us. That was us. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. That. So, but but it, it was great. And we, we had such uh, such good guys there, godly people that God has raised up and uh, going to do what you and I do here in Ohio. That's right. Uh, meeting with uh, uh, political figures and uh, giving them a high protein diet of the word of God. Amen. And then uh, we were home for uh, a, a week and a half. And I know that you weren't able to go on this trip, but then I took back off and went to Cape Town, South Africa, where we had all of our, uh, our, uh, all, all of our ministry leaders from the continent of Africa, and then we picked up, I believe, six new uh, countries that were represented there, and uh, just again, just a fabulous time. Had um, did, did the training like we well, like we always do, and then we just took a side path up to a table mountain. Uh, they claim that it's the seventh wonder of the world, whether, you know, wh- whatever, it was beautiful. It was great. <laughs> and I'm, I was glad to have a chance. Well, to I had a, I had a bad case of FOMO. I was, uh, missing out, uh, all week long. So I was looking at your pictures and texts and I was like, man, I wish I was there. So, uh, <laughs> praise the Lord for what God's doing. Uh, yeah. I think extending what God started in the life of not just Paul, but when you think about how God inserted Moses, uh, Esther, Daniel, 
Joseph, yeah. all of these men Absolutely. and women of old uh, to point elected officials toward the truth of God and his word. Hey, before we leave today, the World Series is upon us. Oh, man. Phillies Astros, you got a, uh, a winner that you're picking? Well, I, I don't know. So my, uh, my, my former secretary, her son was the uh, vice president of the Astros. Uh, so I have an affinity for them in that regard, but I'm also a huge Mike Schmidt okay. uh, fan. So I'm probably, I, I don't really care which one, but if I had to lean one way, I'm probably Philly bound. You know, I'm picking the Phillies too. I don't have a dog in this fight, but a buddy of mine roots hardcore for the Phillies. So I'd, yeah. I'd love for a little bit of joy yeah. to go into his life. So go Phillies, I guess. So, <laughs> Hey, that's, uh, that. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That uh, takes us to the end of our podcast today. Uh, Friends, we'll see you next time. Take care.